All right, folks, welcome to this episode of the Jackson Lucas Impact Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Chris Papa, and today we have a conversation with Maya Thur. Maya is the Chief Executive Officer at Redwood Residential. She lives in San Francisco, but does most of her development, all of her development now in the Sacramento area. Uh, she is a younger person, probably one of the younger people we've ever interviewed. And recently, a year and a half ago, went on her own to start her own development company. And it's a pretty fascinating story. Um, she wanted to be a developer since she was 12 years old. And so she can tell us what it's like to get a deal done in San Francisco, what it takes to get a deal done in, in Sacramento, and just, you know, the challenges and the successes of becoming your own developer. So please enjoy the episode and look out for great things from Maya. Thank you. All right, Maya Thur, welcome to the Jackson Lucas Impact Real Estate Podcast. Thanks for coming on here. How are you? Totally. Yeah. Happy to be here. Doing well. In Vegas for a bachelorette party. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah, no, it's um it's funny. I'm not a Vegas person in my soul, and so um just just leaning in as much as I can. I was there a couple like a month ago for we had a work function thingy. And yeah, I go there, I'm like, oh, this is like it's just too much within like an hour. You know? Oh yeah. But yeah. I took my son there a couple years ago. We went to some shows. That was fun, like going to the shows and stuff like that, but just like being at these crazy pool parties and like i'm like man it's just it's not my scene at all yeah yeah i'm all here for the family fun activities you know take me to a show take me to a theme park but the moment you put me in an edm concert the answer is no yeah we did go to top golf which was fun um i'm not really a golfer but that was kind of fun and then so you are you live in san francisco and you're the ceo of redwood residential i assume you make all your houses out of redwood trees is that correct? Exactly. It's extremely important to me. They're yes. really tall. <laughs> They're really big houses for tall <laughs> people. I actually, yeah, I just hollow out the redwoods and I say, you're welcome. A home. Ewoks. You're like an Ewok. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you tell everybody about Redwood Residential, please? Yeah. So Redwood is a company I started about a year and a half ago. And the ethos is build mostly garden style apartments, market rate in markets that still have large swaths of land close to central business districts. So um, by product of that strategy, the focus has been Sacramento. And oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So picked up a couple projects out there and we'll be starting construction hopefully in 2023, early 2023. And got two projects of note to one 269 unit deal and then another 351 units um, and then looking at kind of bringing a third into the cohort in the next couple weeks here which would be close to like 90 kind of townhome oh, wow. style units so uh, are these like ground up co- ground up construction are you buying what, what's what's going on yeah these are these are as ground up as they get all these sites have been fallow since the dawn of man so it's okay. bringing housing into very much urban infill though which is i mean that's the beauty of um you know kind of the central valley markets is that you've got acres and acres that are still call it as the crow flies two, three miles from, from downtown or, mm. you know, an acre or excuse me, my second deal is nine acres right across the street from a light rail stop, which oh, wow. I think is so unique because so rarely are cities ahead of the curve and in installing their infrastructure. You know, right. usually you're it's a la Los Angeles, you know, where you're like, Oh crap, you know, we have way too many people and way too many cars. Maybe we should put them in buses and trains. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Sacramento is a little bit more, let's put the train tracks in. And uh, if you build it, they will come. So it's been it's working it's been great it's a, they built it and yeah you're, you're going exactly i'm running so did you pick a, that uh like yeah so you're building like ground up and did you pick that location out of a hat or like where did are you from there like where did you how did you figure out sacramento uh no it was actually a dartboard no I'm oh. but uh <laughs> you're good you're good at darts uh, a lot yeah. of times in the pubs <laughs> um so yeah i mean sacramento it's really interesting history that I've, I've, you know, learned a lot about in the past two years, but um, it used to be much more of a flyover town, not much more. It used to be almost like exclusively a flyover town that just happened to be the capital. Um, yeah. Whereas like Albany, New York. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or and Trenton, now, New Jersey. Um, I'm from New Jersey. No one goes to Trenton. <laughs> yet. 
you gotta yes. lead the charge. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Sacramento, Sack of Tomatoes, Exacto Blade, uh, it's got incredible fundamentals. It's, you know, the government doesn't really get smaller. Um, you've got a lot of folks that work in healthcare, a lot in education. Um, it's got great schools. Uh, like I mentioned, a public transit network that is much more mature than I think the development environment has been itself. And um, population growth to boot, especially throughout COVID, it was a place that a lot of call it coastal elites, you know, who were like, you know, I don't, I would rather not with the $10,000 a month mortgage, you know, yeah. move to Sacramento, have it be an amazing place that is, you know, very comparable to the Bay Area in terms of, you know, you've got an a increasingly innovation-based economy, um, you know, and, and incredible opportunity to own a home or to rent something a little bit larger and not mm. sacrifice much on the life, on the lifestyle end. And so you're, you pick Sacramento, good fundamentals, not too far from the Bay Area, so you can get there and oversee this stuff and walk the sites and everything. But like the what are you looking for? Like, how did you find these sites? Like, what were you looking for? Were you looking for development sites or like, you know, you founded this company not too long ago, a year and a half almost there uh, with the idea of I'm going to be a Sacramento multifamily investor or was like, what's like, give me the, like, what's, what came first? You wanted to go out on your own and do something or were you like, wow, I really want to start investing in Sacramento or like, yeah, think, give me that. Yeah, that down low. So I've wanted to be a developer since I was 12 years old. So everything okay. between that time and now has been developing, pun intended, myself in order to happen sooner in life than later. And so, um, you know, I, I studied mechanical engineering. That has very, very little to do with, with development proper. Um, and that was kind of a, I guess, a means to an end in so much as it gave you a, a quantitative training in order to tout like, Hey, I, you know, even though my only qualification is eagerness, I can promise you I'm good with numbers. Um, so it went from development consulting to doing a little project of my own back in 2018, 17, 18, um, mm -hmm. to development or real estate, private equity, and then development in, in San Francisco. And, you know, all, my whole Kind of real estate upbringing was in san francisco and the ethos behind that was san francisco is the hardest place to build the most expensive right. place to build on the crest of the earth quite literally it, it is it is that's a crown um yeah. title it's kind of an ignominious title people you know, hate doing work there <laughs> oh yeah it's absolutely mine it's like banging your head against a wall and you know in the end you sometimes end up with more brain damage than actual productivity but when you get something done it feels really good because the system is a series of flaming hoops and you know they refuse to the, put the fire out there. i was about to say yeah if anything it just they, there's fuel added every time um so having that be an environment to quote upon quote grow up as a developer mm -hmm. or a nascent developer was um fun hard i but i wouldn't change it for anything so I hit a point with a past project where it hit its TCO, which is you know temporary certificate of occupancy. And um, at that point, it I felt ready. You know, I felt ready to to jump off and start looking for sites that I could take down on my own. So that kind of led to choosing Sacramento as a market, and ultimately looking at as many vacant parcels as I could, either on the market or not. I, I feel like I underwrote almost every single vacant piece of land in that city um, mm. prior to choosing the. The initial site so the site itself same family has owned it since 1914 and so oh, wow. yeah they they used to own the entirety of north sacramento back when it was a city all its own and um so fascinating stories just you know listening to the the current owner is generation three you know and he's almost in his 70s um and wow. so he just listening to the stories that he they're has. Just land, he they're up. just sitting on land. Like, what are they doing? They're with it? sitting on land, sitting on land. And um, they've developed a couple office parks in the past. And so it's sitting on land and passive income at this point uh, without much, you know, internal flame to keep developing. So right. slowly liquidating, um, no kids, no real secession plan. And so he's got, you know, he's in a, a perfect position for, a precocious youth to come and, and buy something from him. And I just happened to be the one. How did you find him? Did you like, did you find this land and did you know it was his first or did you like, what's the, what did you call him up out of the blue and say, Hey, did you go through a broker? 
Um, so my first site, it's two pieces, five acres and three acres. The three acres were on the market, but the three, they're a really funky shape and they wrap around this office building and it's, you know, the access isn't super clear. So um, not to mention, I mean, it would be a smaller project. You can only get like a hundred units on there. So I went to go see it with the broker and there's very clearly a part two right next door, you know? Mm. So I'm like, Hey, it's, what's that, you know, flat rectilinear piece of also, yeah. that one <laughs> yeah. looks fun. You know, yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. talk about that one. And, you know, he's like, ah, I don't know if I'll sell. He's not really, he's not the same owner of both pieces or no. Same owner, same okay. owner. Exactly. So he's, you know, he's not pressured. He kind of wants to get rid of this one. I don't know. You know, I'm like, okay, well, how about we all go to lunch and, and I, I can try to make the case because I don't trust you to do it. Um, yeah. You know, nicer in, in, in nicer words, but I, uh, so I took the guy to lunch. It was like a two hour long lunch. And it turns out, you know, he's also a Stanford alum talking oh, wow. about that. It's great to have that initial, you know, connect or some kind of Venn diagram overlap. Um, and Initially, I went in thinking, let's JV, you know, you've got the land, you've got the capital, I've got the time, the talent, um, let's, let's get it done. Um, mm. And his holdup there was that he lives in the neighborhood, and he didn't want to be the developer of this piece because he didn't want his neighbors to be mad at him and nothing's really <laughs> changed in this neighborhood since give or take 1981. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that uh that kind of started the conversation of okay why don't you sell it to me outright but i need a long time to close because a i need entitlements and b i need capital so that kind of was the um you know i knew it was a great deal i knew i, I was then ind indispensable because i had signed a psa you know so no one could really go around me um and so began the search for capital ended up with a great set of partners um and you know, we're now entitled, the project is moving along and we'll hopefully break ground in, in and around Q1 of next year. So it's been a saga, but, um, you know, that plus two other projects of, you know, the one, the more deals you do, the better looking you get. So it's yeah. always the first one that's the hardest. Well, that's a great story. So you were persistent. You were, you know, you were, you weren't aggressive, but you said, why, you know, why not just talk to him? Right. You took yeah. him out the lunch oh, exactly. and you figured out. Yeah. And then to you, when you're, well, we'll start the, from the beginning a little bit later of your, of your story, but like when you're buying these properties, you know, it's a first time deal, like, or how are you financing? So the beauty of a long close is that your at-risk capital is usually just a deposit. You know, it's a deposit and then every dollar you spend trying to add value, call it entitlement, drawings, consultants, due diligence, that kind of thing. So that I, you know, I put up the deposit and then bringing on an equity partner who was, could take on entitlement risk um, was, was the next hurdle because ultimately you don't have to close on the land. So you've got time between, you've got an escrow, a really, really lengthy escrow um, to figure out whether the deal is A, feasible and uh, B, whether the city will let you build it. So mm -hmm. that, um, it, it is a hurdle. It absolutely is a hurdle. I mean, I'm young. I, it was my first yeah. deal. Um, I knew I could do it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that every capital potential capital partner whose office I walked into was like, all systems go, you clearly yeah. got this with your zero gray hair. Um, and, you yeah, know, so, yeah. uh, it's, it's, a, you know, it's a leap of faith from, from a capital partner perspective. Uh, but in the end it, it obviously, I mean, it worked out. Um, how did you, did you have like, what, what yeah. was it about? Did you just, this project just made so much sense that they couldn't resist giving you capital and my smile you, you, <laughs> no. do, have a great, you do have a great smile <laughs> me too <laughs> killing it um <laughs> so it was i mean independently the economics of the deal looked great um and it was an approach where i kind of went into it with a i know so much i know so much about this land i know so much about the process of getting it entitled i have already contacted all the relevant departments I know all the neighbors I've knocked on their doors, you know, so de-risking it to that degree of, you know, Hey, I'm not going into this blind at all. Right, you know, yeah. if anything, I'm, I'm going into it knowing weird minutia that is irrelevant. Um, so that was, you know, that frankly, it was a strategy. It was like at, answer questions that they didn't even think to ask. Um, mm. And obviously those that they would and, and, and have every answer down pat. So Kind of with that, it was it's it's legitimizing. Frankly, you go in and you know you really really know it, um, and you know history that you have no business knowing is is really powerful. Yeah, and you have people giving you cutting you large checks. I mean, they 
they should understand what's going on. And that's like, makes you feel like, oh shit, like this can work. They believe in yeah. me. Like I can believe in me too. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I am nothing if not a chronic self believer in self or <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's a, it's, I think God. that's a song somewhere. Who sings that song? Somebody sings a song. Santi gold. You know what? Bet oh, on me yeah. or something like that. She sings something like that. I love that song. Um, so you you wanted to be a developer since you were 12. Um, so yeah, tell me about your where you grew up. Like, where did that come from? Um, and then like how you were like, did you like just all your steps since then were to get to there? Like, yeah, tell me where you grew up. Yeah, so I grew up in San Diego. Um, okay. In coastal San Diego, which is why I'm oh, so what town? I love coastal San Diego. <laughs> it's great. It's great. I'm, it's a joke on what, the chill. I'm very type A. Uh, what's uh, what, what town? <laughs> in um well started in north county ended in la jolla yeah i used yeah, to so. i used to go down to like uh solana beach and encinitas like all the time love it down there nice it's oh it's perfect so just idyllic um no complaints yeah. it's it's a perfect place actually one complaint is that being a young adult there was not for me just because it moves really slowly yeah, you know it's people slow, yeah yeah people are so happy already you can't sell them anything so yeah which is so you know get family down there and so it's you know i make it down there like three four times a year which is such a blessing but um yeah so i grew up down there i have no family in real estate i have no family okay. even like tangential to real estate um so i after much self-reflection the only thing that i can think to pin my love of buildings on is the fact that i played an astronomical amount of sim city as a kid there you go it's just like you know <laughs> which yeah. I, I tell my friends that and they're like yeah well i played roller coaster tycoon and now i work in tech so that's stupid uh, yeah you know? and now i work at a roller coaster factory yeah exactly now i, I build them with my hands um so <laughs> it's it's one of those things I'm like i've just always been fascinated with built things like man-made oh. things um are just so fascinating to me and i think it's also one of the best ways to actually influence someone is to create the space around them and yeah. you know people they walk into a room and or a building or whatever a space and they feel a certain kind of way but very rarely do they attribute that feeling to the space when i would say overwhelmingly it's due to the space um so i think being in a position of, to create that is so empowering and it's um I, I, it's, it's really it's a, it's a really powerful way to shape the world and leave a legacy and so that's why that's why i'm all about it but uh in terms of the steps from 12 year old maya to here it's yeah, been there's probably like a lot of people yeah. out there who are listening to this the hundreds of thousands of them uh <laughs> who are uh like they want a lot of people in real estate don't want to be employees right they want to be their own owners and you know developers but they i find as a you know as someone who has invested in development deals like i you know, it's scary to do it on your own. Like it's somebody with a track record, you give them money. The risk is, you know, generally less risk. Um, you know, we have full-time, I have a full-time job. So it's like, I let them do it and I do my job, but you know, a lot of people want to, they get into the, get real estate job, W2 jobs because they want to be real estate developers on their own, but they never take that risk. Oh, I got to wait until I get more, more, more capital. I got to wait for this. I got to wait for that. I hear it all the time. I tell people, they're like, oh, I'm like, why don't you just do this on your own? They're like, well, I just yeah. kind of feel like it's not a great time. Um, like, what was it like? So people are going to want to, might want to know, hey, what steps did she take to get to where she is? What did she learn along the way that made her feel confident enough that she could go out and do it? Like what, it, I guess, take me through, I'm just looking at your, uh, kind of your background here and you, you went to Stanford, obviously you got to be smart to go there. You went, um, you were, you know, mechanical engineering, which uh, you don't probably don't like yourself that much if you take a major like that. I think <laughs> there's, like, there's a bunch of, there's, there's some self hate there going on. Yeah. But like, uh, like what after that did you get into? Like, what did you learn? Like when you started working or oh, interning yeah. or whatever? Yeah. So, I mean, having no family in this and wanting to do it, it's such a connection based business. As you know, you know, as, as I'm sure the vast majority of folks listening to this know, it's, it's every, it's all who you know, you know, and, and, and blind emails rarely go the distance, blind phone calls, you know, it's Godspeed, but it's not going to happen. So um, in college, I, I Googled Bay Area real estate development, and I just sent oh, emails really? to 
I, yeah, literally, I sent emails to every single person who came up who had an email listed online. And, you know, companies, I was sending a lot of info at whateverfirm.com um, emails. And it, uh, two, so I sent out, I think it was like 38. Um, and two people got back to me. One was nice. like, no, and how'd you get this email? Um, and <laughs> another was like, hey, we don't have a position. We, you know, it'll be, uh, you can't, we don't have any budget for this. There's nothing that'll be formal about this internship, but we'll interview you and maybe see if we can make something work. And it was this tiny private equity shop. And so I ended up interning for them for the summer and just being a sponge and like an annoying sponge though. Like people would be at their desk and be like, hi, can you explain this very niche real estate concept to me quickly, just in like 30 seconds and I'll leave you alone. Mm. Um, you know, it was that. It was oh, wait, so you hustled and you, you hustled. I mean, that's what you do in recruiting. You just got to email people. Like when you start out, email people you don't know and just try to get meetings, but you did. Oh, and right? then you got, uh, yeah, that's kind of how it works when you start in your own, you got to build up your own practice. And so you kind of just, I mean, I literally just got tons of email addresses and just sent people things, emailed them, called them until you get meetings. Um, so you did that and then you just took a, an internship for free. Um, you created your own internship for them basically. Right. Right. Just asked a lot of questions. Asked a ton of questions, asked for backstories on things, asked for, you know, why do you do it this way? Not this way. Uh, that, and I would read, just read a lot. Um, Shamelessly, I mean, like real estate textbooks, like real estate finance textbooks, real estate development textbooks, um, you know, the little ULI library of like, this is urban infill, this is transit-oriented yeah. development, you know, just like reading it and pouring through case studies and construction, just means and methods textbooks. And that combined with, um, I love autobiographies of developers. So like Alex Spanos, Sam Zell, um, yeah. Zeckendorf, all those stories. Um, yeah. I love them. So it was, yeah, you create your own first internship um, and, you know, take a on-campus job during the year so that you can support yourself in the summer because they're not paying you. Mm -hmm. And, and then that kind of led to internships in construction management. And then when I graduated, I was in development consulting because ultimately, okay. I mean, your qualification, your resume is still just eagerness. You know, you come out of school and you're like, Hey, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, but, um, please hire me. So yeah. it was development consulting. And then after what does a development consultant do? It basically market studies and underwriting stuff. Um, okay. So inch deep mile wide knowledge of a bunch of different product types in a bunch of different markets. Um, you know, like a hotel developer would hire the firm and say, what can I charge for my hotel rooms? And also what are construction costs? And then you put together a thick book of information explaining exactly that with comps and you know, conversations and data and blah, blah, blah. Do you use so, that stuff now? I mean, not that I put that specific stuff, but do you use some of that, those skills? You know, now? Oh, skills. Yes. Because at the time you, you're an Excel monkey, you know, you are just thrown directly into the deep end and they'll, they'll take away your mouse and say, make it work. It's like a prank, you know, but yeah. um, it's uh, so that was, that was hugely helpful. I, I would, would say I would fail majorly in that. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I did. You do, see, you, you fail until you don't. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the baptism by fire. Uh, but yeah, I mean that that was kind of call it Excel one hundred and one. And the way I looked at it is like I I need call it seven skills in order to be my own developer. You know, one of which is I have to be really good at underwriting. I have to really understand acquisitions and general plan zoning, how entitlements work. I have to understand how construction management happens, and then ultimately lease up stabilization seasoning sale um so yeah. every job was kind of to tick one of those boxes so you know you get good at excel and then um in order to well also probably partially by product of hubris but I, I raised a little friends and family fund after working in that um consulting shop and bought and renovated and flipped a, a home in the east bay okay. um so that was my first maya project it's so you, funny was it, was it scary um, you know, yeah, I was 22 at the time and objectively had no idea what I was doing beyond just watching HGTV and, and <laughs> figuring that like, if you have a budget and stick to it, ultimately you could end up making yeah. money. So were you just upgrading I, uh, the house or, and then renting it or selling it or it was, was the... it was, uh, an undertaking. So the house, when I bought it, if you 
you could see daylight through the floor if you turn the bathroom sink That's not on a good thing right <laughs> allegedly <laughs> if you turn the bathroom sink on and water comes out under the vanity okay. uh let's see it had uh some some infestation problems it had uh some live wires just poking out and so it was an absolute overhaul basically the only thing i didn't do was the roof but why did you pick that place oh it was cheap that's why <laughs> it was a cheap existing home and yeah. so i was like you know with some elbow grease is some lipstick on this pig we can we can make it into something so it's funny i was you know i was so young and i don't look like a classic developer you know when people think developer they probably think old white dude um yeah. you know and so i would get these scopes bit out for this little home project you know like hey can you redo the bathroom or can you demo the kitchen um and i have these subcontractors come out they look at the scope they look at me and then they charge me something that i knew was absolutely obscene mm. you know and so it's uh i ended up watching a lot of youtube tutorials and just doing a lot of the work myself oh really having no social life for a summer but it was super enlightening i own a crazy amount of power tools <laughs> as yeah. a result <laughs> but and now you can oversee them and like know if they're doing it right oh yeah yeah kind no right. totally i mean um demoing cabinet hanging cabinets i mean doing there's certain things that i couldn't do you know i can't float new floors i can't texture walls um there's structural plumbing basically mep scope that i had to ultimately fit out but um it's yeah i would have uh my parents came up one weekend and it's like oh what are we doing it's like we're going to vallejo and we're weeding crabgrass <laughs> yeah oh wow okay so you're so, out in vallejo so you just found so you were that's a, it's not super close not to, that close i mean it's know, not, not far. far it's a suburb but it's it yeah, takes some yeah, effort it, takes some effort to get out there totally takes some effort um luckily i had a car so i wasn't taking the ferry every day but it uh so yeah that project ended up doing really well um it it sold above pro forma which is great um in 2018 i sold that and so from there basically had the ability to lever that experience and get into a little bit more of the you know you a little bit more of the quote unquote legit development world um and so i worked at a little private equity shop in san francisco and there was all about project management so okay it was this crazy motley portfolio they owned rent controlled apartments tech offices cannabis warehouses yard space it was like so funky fresh oh, that's funny. And yeah. yeah yeah it was so it's funny i've i've never been in a grow i had never been in a grow house and so i don't know if i haven't either I, it is crazy it's like you you keep your hands in a really conspicuous place because you're like i'm not shady you know yeah, yeah, but yeah. they've got these crazy cool rooms that basically mimic seasons with different lighting wow, so that wow. it can mature you know indoors obviously so hmm. really cool but learned a lot of random stuff about old buildings and and how to bring them into the modern era um in san francisco no less where it's really hard so did that and then jumped to actual development so kind of the capstone project if you, so you will, did the underwriting part. then you understood the project management you did some hands-on yeah trade work basically yeah um, and then you, operation build a building was a go. Okay. Let's take, let's go there. What does that consist of? So that was work for someone who has a project that's being built. That's a big enough deal that it's going to be a super steep learning curve. So that ended up being 950 market, which is right at Turk and market in San Francisco, more or less smack dab in the middle of the city. And it was a 242, condo and 236 hotel key project right on top of market street so you're basically right on top of bart so you've got yeah. piles that go down you know hundreds of yards um and uh or maybe you know 100 of yard but um you can exaggerate and... it's okay <laughs> what's a yard no one knows what a yard is anyways <laughs> uh, so it was two floors subterranean 13 story building 400,000 square feet of just extreme complication and um so managing that project was the kind of two years two and a half years of my life prior to launching redwood okay so you it's all coming together the puzzles coming did you understand this while you were doing it like I'm learning everything I need to know to feel comfortable to go out and start doing my own deals. Or you just were kind of like, Hey, this seems like a little bit different than I was doing, or this is like a master plan. Oh, it was definitely calculated. I would say it's, it's was slash is definitely 
calculated. Um, and you know, it's, it's one of those things you plan God laughs. So yeah. you know, there's not, not everything I was like, and then on June 2nd, 2020, um, you know, <laughs> it was just kind of like some of it is crime of opportunity, but, uh, it's the ultimate ethos was like, Hey, go make yourself the best developer you can, you know, and you're going to, you want to launch your own thing when you're young. So you got to be, you know, you got to be like that good. You have to be super good. You have to be super yeah. good at a lot of things. And therefore, you know, you're going to, you make sacrifices, whatever. Um, and, but stay myopically focused on honing whatever skill is, is whatever your lagging factor is like, bring it up to speed um, or at least identify it and then find someone who can help you. Um, so that, that was, you know, and I'm not like the best at everything. There's still, I'm learning so much every day. Um, yeah. but with baseline knowledge of processes and baseline knowledge of, you know, if thens in real estate development, um, I think I, I knew enough to be dangerous about enough. Okay. And then you're like, screw the man. I'm doing this myself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Did you tie up a piece? Uh, you were looking around on Red on uh whatchamacallit on not Redfin on uh LoopNet, kind of like looking for spaces every day, like underwriting a bunch of deals on your own. Is that kind of the process? It, it basically, yeah, yeah. Like find what's for sale, even find what's not for sale. Um, like I've sent letters to addresses that I've just found on title searches before. Um, and you know, as as a, as an unknown entity, it's funny. I like people obviously they didn't know who I was, what I was doing. And so I would set up these meetings with these people on site and be like, okay, I'll meet you on this rural site in the middle of freaking nowhere yeah. in Sacramento at this time. And I would be there at that time, the only person for miles and they would walk right by me. And like, I'm, I'm Maya. Who did oh, you, really? did you think I was just loitering? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where you're like, <laughs> what? So what? Yeah, tell me about that. You're a young woman. I mean, you're younger than me. I'm a young man, but I'm still 45, but you're younger than me. Um, you know, you didn't graduate only a couple of years ago from undergrad and you're out there, you know, do people, I mean, I, I, I work in recruiting, right? So I see this all the time, you know, women and, and diversity candidates, people like to hire, feel more comfortable hiring people that look like and sound like they are and like totally. went to the same schools they went to, like you said, with Stanford and stuff like that. Like people just, it's just a thing it's a natural i don't know if it's a natural thing but it's a thing people just feel like emotionally more comfortable with it, even though it makes no sense right um like how have you overcome those hurdles you one did you ever like go out and buy like a wig and a mustache or <laughs> <laughs> look like uh mark twain <laughs> thought about it more like a charlie chaplin look but um yeah it uh you know it's it's funny and it's such an important thing to talk about because I am so different. I'm so wildly different than the average developer dude. You know, they're like, uh, and I don't want to say fat cat with a cigar. That's so like 1960s. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's usually an old white man. That's, which is totally yeah. fine. A lot of my mentors, a lot of the people I really look up to whose career shoes I want to walk in don't look anything like me. Um, and the they only thing like we have- look like a Monopoly man. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, and it's, but the thing is, I want to be exactly like that. I want to be at that level doing massive projects, managing funds. Um, and so it's, it never bothered me that when, that I don't aesthetically fit the mold um, or even, you know, age-wise, I'm significantly younger than the average cat in this game. Um, mm. And it's, it's, if anything, I think an advantage because there are a lot of spaces I exist in that are extremely homogenous that i'm remembered i'm like one of the few people that folks remember um be it a conference where you're looking out over a sea of balding heads you know and then it's like and then there's me <laughs> you know and and i and i think it's uh an advantage in that way because there are people who i really admire who i go face blind to in crowds you know because mm. all, they all look the freaking same um and it's yeah, I think it's it's a great opportunity to not only be remembered, but do a lot of things first, um, you know, because maybe in 20 years, someone who does care that they have a mentor that looks like them, um, you know, maybe that person, maybe I can help. So, yeah. Um, and you can do stuff on TikTok. Yeah. You're getting deals off on TikTok. Yeah. Or... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm such a social. I mean, I'm a social okay. media Luddite or Philistine. I don't know how you want to look at it, but I'm terrible at that. <laughs> 
I probably should be better because there are probably young people that would like to have a little bit of, you know, exposure in that way, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, what, so you're, you had mentors. I mean, that's great. People wanted to help you. Um, like we can't just do this on our own or at least I can't, I haven't done my career on my own. Um, and then was that just through school or like, how, where did you find these mentors? Did you just go up to somebody and say, Hey, can you be my mentor? Yeah. And then, and then, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you join different organizations? I mean, did you find things yeah. out there that were trying to help younger women you know, advance their career? Less so the young woman, less so the like person of color, less, less so the just youth angle, more so the using Spire. Okay. So Spire is the Stanford real mm. estate alumni network. Um, yeah. Amazing brain power, amazing, just accomplishment. Um, and, and just a, a, a team, you know, just so many folks have, who have, they've already made it, they've done it. They're really impressive. And so access to those minds is amazing, you know, and being able to send an email to someone who has done a hundred projects about my third project, you know, and say, Hey, yeah. what you, I think you did something like this in, in the eighties. <laughs> if, yeah. if you remember, can you, <laughs> you give me some advice on it. Yeah. Um, so it's partially that partially um, if I meet someone in a professional context who has, you know, either years on me or experience on me, um, I I'll reach out to them in and, and take it out of professional and more. And Hey, can we, can I just hear your story context? Right. Um, so I've done that, you know, numerous times and it's always wildly fascinating because very rarely is it straight up to the right, you know, it's, it's, and then this, and then that, and then I thought I was going to go out of it and then I got back into it and then the yeah. great recession. And then, you know, so it's, um, I think I learned the most when it's a kind of a narrative format like that. So just sitting down with people. That's why you like you know, biographies. At, at, Exactly, exactly. You know, and it's it's amazing too because I feel like when people tell their own stories at if they've if they've reached a level of success, they're telling their own story and they're reminiscing, it's usually so humble. Um, you know, if it, it really a person of quality, um they're they're amazingly accomplished. And on paper you're like, I this is so cool. But the way they tell it is like, Oh yeah, it's you know, it could have been anyone, but it happened to be me. And yeah, I, yeah. I think that that attitude I so admire. So it's, um, you know, a lot of the people who I, I do reach out to who are, you know, older than me or have acted in a mentorship capacity, um, have that quality and it's something, you know, hopefully in 60 years, um, my head gets a little less big and, and I embrace that too. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you got some time. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things um, we're hosting an event, um, in September in New York with a bunch of HR execs, around oh, we have a speaker it's around attracting and retaining like younger smart talent like say you didn't go on your own like what i mean speak for your generation no but like people seem to have like a hard time figuring out what's going on with you know junior's talent and you weren't junior talent not that long ago um like what 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 differentiated you you think or what like what what's kind of the attitude of folks around your age that are in this, in the real, in real estate? Like, is there like the, the feedback I get is that people are demanding a lot more than they should be demanding. They jump, they jump their jobs really quickly. Um, it's kind of like the tech mentality now is caught up to real estate, right? Yeah. You, you know, I moved out to the Bay area 10 years ago and like people would have a job every year, like different jobs. I was like, Holy smokes in the tech tech world. And uh, I mean, do you find that sort of, you've worked for some real estate companies besides going out on your own. Like, is that, are people, people have to start catering more to the younger town. But what, what is kind of the attitude? I, on behalf of a generation, it's You're the voice of your I generation. Mean, exactly. It is a fascinating kind of professional ADHD where I think it's partially fueled by like this. For, I, don't know, I can't think of better words than this, but social media, you're constantly comparing either yourself to others or, you know, your life to their life or their life to some other person's life. And I think it, breeds an environment of the grass is always greener or at least breeds a mentality of I can always jump ship and, and I'll be making more money or I'll have greater influence or, you know, these people I felt disrespected here and therefore I'm going to jump and make a point. Um, and, uh, you know, some people call it millennial, whatever, entitled, 
you know, entitled millennials or entitled Gen Z or whatever. But I think it's just generally like a shift in mm -hmm. uh, desire to be affiliated with one thing for the rest of your life, um, which I feel a little bit anomalistic in that it's, you know, it's going to be development until I die. It's going to be building, <laughs> you know, apartments until the end of days. So um, it's, I think too, but life moves much more quickly than it did in whatever my parents' generation, um, yeah. where, you know, that how you reach success was climbing a ladder one rung at a time. Whereas in, yeah, the tech world, it's so in, especially exaggerated in the Bay area where you could start a company. I mean, during COVID, this literally happened. There were unicorns that started in 2020 and had billion dollar valuations in 2021. Yeah. And that was, I mean, atypical sure but there were more than one um and so i i think it's partially that where it's success seems quicker and therefore if you aren't climbing if you're trying to climb a ladder you're trying to do it as quickly as possible and therefore jumping from place to place or industry to industry might seem enticing um you know because it's i feel like what's normal is the desire to succeed and feel like you're progressing and the way that that manifested for the older generation was what was typical is staying and climbing the ladder within yeah. general motors or whatever. I was going to say know, general whereas... electric. Uh, yeah, exactly. I was. <laughs> GE under Jack, whatever his face. Uh, yeah, but yeah. It, whereas, you know, it's still, it's still normal. Like the human desire Welch. to progress and Welch, there it is. Yeah. Um, the human desire to progress and feel productive is still there. It's just the way that it's manifesting amongst the youth is, is that, you know, I, can find success in the next place. So I'm going to the next place, but also don't see that slowing down, you know, unless tech totally craters. Um, and I don't know, the yeah. world slows down in a pretty significant way. I feel like you will have to be, companies will have to bend a little bit more to the will of their employees, be it remote work or yeah. bonuses or salaries or whatever it is. Me too. And plus a lot of younger folks, I mean, we, we've only been in like a, crazy market the last couple of years right so it's like yeah you know if there's a slowdown like all of a sudden the shoes power shifts from the employer to the from the employee to the employer that's just how it is i see as a recruiter too um so what's the 10-year five-year plan for redwood dominate I'm, I'm sacramento i don't i don't own, have own the kings plan. own the kings you've been planning for the last since you're 12 <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna own the kings one day you know what? I'm not going to own the Kings. I'm going to own whatever NWSL women's soccer team ends up oh, coming in yeah. California. Oh, yeah. Sacramento Spirit. Right. Do you, play, do you play soccer? I did. I did. I played soccer, and then I played soccer in college for some years. I love soccer. I'm a big soccer guy, too. Nice. Um, uh -huh. So the five-year plan is, I mean, I've got some projects to deliver. That's yeah. That's priority first. numero uno. You that's going to be done before you know it, though. <laughs> that's true that's true so i mean in order to stay busy the way i mean i'm always i'm i'm always hungry for acquisitions you know if if i could be the biggest landowner in northern california and it made financial sense to do so i would jump at the opportunity and, and raise the capital you know it's if it makes if the returns are there um i'd i'd love to pick up as many deals as possible especially if a recession's coming you know i don't no one wants to see blood in the streets but if opportunities arise i would love to jump on them um yeah. so that's yeah. The next five years, it's it's acquire, probably raise, still on a deal by deal basis. Um, expand the market reach, probably a little bit further west, down the eighty. Call it Contra Costa, Solano, um, Alameda, even Sonoma, Napa, Marin. Um, mm. I shy away from doing my own projects in San Francisco only because I know how hard it is. Yeah. <laughs> because I did it for other people for a long time. Good. <laughs> And so that's, that's the expansion plan, you know, is, is continue building the product type that you're building, um, take it to new markets, maybe take it down the central Valley and maybe up into, you know, call it Bend, Oregon and then, and then West. And, but that's, that's, that's the long, long term. So call it the long game 10 years is you're building garden style and you're the biggest builder of garden style apartments west of the Mississippi. Whoa. That'd be so. awesome. It would be awesome. And then east of the Mississippi. Exactly. And then north and, of the Mississippi. And then south in the in the, what? the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I assume it's, you said it's like 114 degrees in 
Uh, yeah, it is uh, magma. Yeah. Well, if you think that's hot, are you ready for the hot seat? Oh! Oh! Hot seat is sponsored by KK Reset. KK Reset is an HR management and outsourcing consulting firm that specializes in helping organizations to reset their culture, structure, and path. They do this through services, which include comprehensive consultation to identify gaps and opportunities for corporate training programs, HR services, and career mapping services. They've collaborated with nonprofit startups and academic organizations to protect them from liabilities, reduce turnover, and preserve their brands. They have also collaborated with a number of my clients on the real estate front who are not large enough to have their own in-house HR program. So. They outsource it to KK Reset. KK Reset comes in, maybe sits on site a couple days a week and provides you know everything you need from an HR perspective for your, for your firm. So it's a great uh, resource for those shops who just maybe it doesn't make sense for them to have in-house HR function. Um, so please check them out at kkreset.com. K-K-R-E-S-E-T.com. It's gonna be over 114, I guarantee oh, it. so ready. You weren't ready until a second ago. Mm-hmm. My my notes are not coming up on my phone here. They're not pulling up. That's so embarrassing. I think I can remember the hot seat questions. Are you ready? Do you have a book or podcast recommendation? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, book recommendation: The Most Important Thing by Howard Marks. He's a private equity guy, and it. Spoiler alert: It's more than one thing. Ooh. Ah! Howard always lying. <laughs> Okay. Do you listen to any podcasts per chance? Uh, yeah, I do. I used to listen to um, Two Dope Queens, which is just comedy. Um, okay. I also listen to Leading Voices in Real Estate. It's uh, oh, yeah. who's that? You know, Matt Matt Slepin is the guy. Oh yeah, yeah. He's another recruiter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forget the name of his firm, but in any case, I know. He, I, know he's him, got yeah. I know. I know Matt. He's in the yeah. Bay Area too. Yeah. Good one. Um. Okay. What advice do you have for anyone looking to start out in the real estate development field? Like say they're just getting out of high school or college. Google Bay Area real estate developers. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but am I? Uh, read. Read so much because you'll learn a lot in the field. But if you just have a baseline knowledge of the jargon, things will come more quickly. And read, read things that are... Hurt. Exactly. Read dense mclaughlin textbooks just yikes read uh, i mean talk to people too but if you if you know if you drop an acronym that people don't expect you to know uh it's, yeah it's always fun it's a different language oh yeah took me took me that's what i did when i got into this world like how do i talk to ceos and cfos i don't really know what the heck i'm talking about it's like i had to read so much and then like didn't know any, I couldn't understand anything that was, I was reading. And then eventually I did ask right. questions too. Um, all right. Good job. Still hot though. Not cooling down yet. What do you look for when you're partnering with folks or raising, like you're not hiring anyone now, but like what, what, how about the, we'll phrase it this way. What made you such a good employee? Oh, I was a bad employee. I just trying... had judgment more than other people's direction, chronically. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But... Well, what made you, so what, okay, okay. Well, what has made you successful? What's the skill set? The number one skill set, we'll start it here. What's the number one skill set that has made you successful so far going out on your own? Obsession. Like myopic obsession. Um, not, and not, the, probably, uh, not the, huh? not the cologne. <laughs> remember that? Uh, I, you could I be too young funny. for that. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I, I get it. I get it. Um, okay. Yeah. I would say, I mean, more tactfully, uh, just, I, I really, really care about this. And I feel really lucky to have found something early in life that I care deeply about. And um, just that, Passion has made it really easy to want to keep learning more. Um, I say that, and and I, I'm just I, I follow up annoyingly much. I'm like you know, no one no one escapes, no one escapes. <laughs> I will get the information Tenacity. that I need. Tenacity, there it is. 
I have some people that I work with that are like that. They're annoying, but then I'm like, use your powers of annoyance for good. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's great. You know what you want and you're going to do what you can to get it. Um, and now how, this is the impact real estate podcast. How does your impact, how does your real estate or your career have an impact? I think building buildings is such an impactful pursuit. Um, I think, well, especially in California, we have a hugely acute housing crisis and building places for people to be housed is an impact that I am so proud to be a part of. Um, it's granted I'm building market rate. It's still a supply demand issue. You yeah, know, the more you build where, the less thing. Yeah. The more there is for people it, to live in. Yeah, exactly. You know, like old buildings should be priced as old buildings, but because California is so messed up, old buildings are usually the same cost on a rent rental basis as new right. buildings. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it doesn't make any sense. And so, uh, that's, that's, that's what I want my legacy to be. It was like adding a certain amount of units to this earth, um, or, you know, homes for people to this earth, um, is, I don't think there are enough people doing it. I, th I think it's really hard. I think there's no one who's making it much easier. Um, so as long as I have the tolerance for the brain damage to do it, that's what I want my impact to be. Great answer. Yeah. Well, Maya Thur. I love, <laughs> I love saying your last name, Thur. If you're German, it's Toya. But yeah, German. I'm not German. <laughs> my grandmother was, my great grandmother was German. So yeah, okay, I'm part German. Thank you for coming on the podcast. What a great story. We look forward to seeing, you know, Redwood take over the West of the Mississippi. I appreciate it. It's great. Uh, thank you so much for, for having me. Uh, you're an awesome host. So Thanks. keep on keeping on. 